Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Panel is Kickstarter is still a thing. Uh, so uh, a couple of years ago, we did a Kickstarter panel. Uh, a couple of years ago, Kickstarter was more new, more fresh, and, and a lot of people were looking to, you know, were curious about it or looking to run a Kickstarter and uh, things like that. And this room was packed with people who were, in, and we had like 10 panelists, some of which were had run Kickstarters for role-playing games, some of which run Kickstarters for board games, some of which um, were, did both maybe, um, you know, and there were a lot of different, um, it was neat because we got a lot of different perspectives on, on Kickstarter and a lot of different sort of, the different genres have different different approaches and, and different uh, ways to look at them. Then we did, uh, the following year we had a similar panel. Some of the things that we talked about were the, how, how Kickstarter changed over time and like, like it evolved. People were getting better at it and so were the consumers who were looking for different things and some stuff like that. In the last, I don't know, last year there weren't, weren't as many people in the panel and uh, so that, that, while Kickstarter is still out there, it's not like people aren't using Kickstarter to fund things and using more people than ever are using Kickstarter to fund things. Um, but I was wondering if that meant, if people were just kind of felt like they'd been to that panel already because it was just the Kickstarter panel, we didn't really have anything specific. So this year I tried to make, make it more specific and I noticed a couple of things about Kickstarter. Pe- people have been talking for years about Kickstarter fatigue or with Kickstarter stop working or people stop shopping on it. It's pretty clear people haven't stopped shopping on it, but it's definitely still changing. So uh, my question now is, is Kickstarter still a a thing is it still a big deal? Is it still is, or is it just okay? It's a part of life. People fund things on Kickstarter. We go about our business. And one thing that's definitely still changing about it, as as, as by way of example, um, is Taste of Israel just ran a Kickstarter for an expansion. Uh, the expansion was to a game that was on Kickstarter a few years ago. The game got uh, funded very well. It was called Kings of Air and Steam. It was, it was a good game. It came out. And the, the expansion did not, we, the, the goal was $30,000 and it did not fund. And nowadays $30,000 isn't even that much for a board game necessarily. So one might think, hey, this is a no brainer. It was a, a successfully funded game of game people like. It's a you know, $30,000 goal for our expansion. Recently we did an expansion to Scoville, which did fund at that level. And Scoville is a similar priced game to Kings Received, but it didn't fund. So, so uh, one thing I'm curious about is, um, and maybe we can talk about this as sort of a discussion is, so is Kickstarter still a thing? Is, is the reason it didn't fund um, related to how people use Kickstarter? Um, or what, what other reasons might there be that something like that wouldn't fund? And then other things like, if you're starting a Kickstarter now compared to doing it a couple of years ago, like what new considerations or 
um, what's different now than, there, than it used to be and what to watch out for. So uh, if anyone else has anything specific they want to talk about, uh, there's only four of us, might as well talk about whatever it is that you have to say. I, I guess there's no one else on the panel, so uh, either I'm the authority or we have a discussion. I think discussion seems more, more appropriate. So um, what do you guys think? Have you who, who, has, uh, who has run a Kickstarter campaign? Okay, who has bought things on Kickstarter? And who is thinking about running a campaign in the future? Okay, great. Um, currently running. Currently, currently running. Yeah, for your what's it called again? It's up. Durable shuffle. Lawn shuffle. So what's the first word again? Durable on shuffle. Durable on. Is that what is that? What is that? Is that the name of the, is that a made up word or is that a thing? Yeah. Made up or? Okay. Name of the world. Name of the world. Got it. Okay. I I uh, had trouble remembering it because perhaps because it was a made up thing, but I'm not familiar with the world. But also because I only glanced at it one time, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, how is your Kickstarter doing right now? I just got a 600 out of 10 grand. How long has it been running? It's only been running a few days. Okay. And how long do you have on the total? End of October. Okay, so you, got, you basically have a month to raise 10 grand, right? Um, what have you done to, um, I don't know, how, how, what uh, avenues are you going to try to get people attention on your Kickstarter? Uh, basically telling everyone I know. Okay. And hope they come down and promote it. Um, how much is the one copy of your game? Twenty five dollars. So you plus pledge level twenty five, and you need ten grand. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, about four hundred five hundred games. Four hundred five hundred. So do you know four hundred five hundred people like any personally? Okay. So what does that tell us? It means you're probably going to need to find more avenues to get people to look at your game. Uh, you just had a game fund recently, yeah? How many people did you have in your fund? One hundred and twenty. One hundred twenty. And at about what? Um, the average was, the most common was 32. 30, okay, 30 something. Um, and then, and so you funded, uh, what was your goal? 2,500. 2,500. So that's a, a lot different goal. Um, so, I'll, I'll preface by saying that like, there's no right or wrong. Like having a high goal, having a low goal, there's no right or wrong in general. There might be a right or wrong for a particular project and maybe that's one of the problems with uh, Kingsbury and Steam World Fair was maybe we asked for too much money, who knows. Um, what avenues did you use to get your people to, to find your game? Yeah, so we... Um, and I'm sorry, how many people did you say? 120. 120. So, so how did you find those people? Um, so <clears throat> we brought the game around and played it with people everywhere for like a year. And then um, we, well, we had a failed Kickstarter back in December. And that was $8,000. It was over to go. Then um, on the first like few days, we organized like 30 or 40 people that we actually knew to pledge and make it look good. And we funded it. So show some smart. Right. So because that makes it look better to random people. There is something to be said about that. From the beginning, uh, yeah. Michael Mendes from TMG has always said that like uh, social proof and momentum is a big thing. Like if people look at a thing and it's been running for a week and there's two people pledging, they're like, eh, it must not be that good or something like that. And they'll skip it. So early pledges are way better than late pledges. Apparently. And it's this thing in like the nightclub industry. If there's a line outside of a club, it must be hit. People, people yeah. wanting people want to go in there because yeah. oh, it must be. It's popular. Awesome. It's popular. Right. Star Wars effect. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a, yeah. They keep the line out there. Even the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's definitely a thing, and people work that. People's minds work that way, right? Um, so uh, you said. You took it around and played it everywhere. Define everywhere. Um, let's see. The, the number of people we exposed it to before we 
we actually launched the second Kickstarter, it was probably close to 100. Okay. Uh, we played at last year's convention, we played at... Um, last year's Tucson convention. Yeah, the Tucson convention. We, I demoed at game stores here in Phoenix. I uh, played, just played with random people at uh, board game nights, uh, sent it out to reviewers, some prototypes out to reviewers. Um, so a lot of people had sort of heard about it before. Cool. Uh, so that that's good. I mean, that's that's and that's the kind of thing you do is find find people to play it, right? So I'll, I'll notice that with with the exception of sending out to reviewers, you're still you're still geographically located yep. to Tucson and Phoenix. So I mean, that's more people than just like just Recon, mm -hmm. but you know, but it's you're you're you're, you're reaching, um, and you were only you you needed twenty five hundred. You only needed to reach a hundred people or so. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm kind of curious how many people you played it with. Back versus how many people watched the reviews? Because I mean, some or number of people. I don't know which reviewers you had, but some of these reviewers get lots of views, and I'm not sure. I'm curious what the distribution. Would uh, the, be. I mean, the reviewers didn't do that much, but okay. they, they, at least they give our um, they give our game some validity when we scroll down, you look at the page, and you like, can oh, say you can post, oh look a review review. Yep. Okay, and so and you were able to do that. You were only looking to get. $2,500 because you determined that was like the cheapest you could possibly Yeah, the very minimum we could print for and not lose any money just from the printing. Because like, even though we spent all the money before, like, this is how much we need to print it. We can either be, we need to print it and still be down the money we've already spent, or we could like not print it and still be down the money we've already spent. So I did like, mm -hmm. that's why you want to find the minimum. And then in the end, how much How much did you end up raising? 5500 Right, so you got more than your minimum spent. Mm -hmm. In the end, did you end up Breaking at least after after shipping them all. Or um, for, well, we we just finished one together this past week. We'll be shipping them starting now. I think we're looking at about breaking even. So now we have extra hundred and twenty five copies. Cool. So you break even. So break even. At least you didn't lose any money and you got some copies to sell. Um, what was was uh, I always when I talk about Kickstarter, I always ask like or, or, or talk about the your your goal. What was your personal? Were you looking to get into distribution or were you just trying to make the game and get it out there? Uh, we wanted to make the game and get it out there, so we had a product and then we wanted to launch. Cool. So, oh, and do you, do you feel like you're uh, were successful in doing that? Yes. Definitely. It sounds like it sounds like you were. It's, it's, mm -hmm. As long as you were, you know, if your goal was to get on Barnes Noble shelf and all the game store shelves, mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a different situation, mm -hmm. and it takes different action. Yeah, you gotta be optimistic and realistic at the same time. Though. Right. Now mm -hmm. you were looking for ten thousand um, dollars, so you're gonna need a lot bigger audience than what he had. And what? How did you come to ten thousand dollars? Was that it was the least I felt I could do a print run of the games for. Okay, and, and you're going to print how many? Uh, you printed 275 copies. Minimum yeah. order size was 1,000. Because you're, you're going to go with a, a, a bit of a bigger uh, scale production, so you're going to make 1,000 copies. It's going to cost you however much, and you need like 10 grand to, to cover that. Um, so let me ask you this. As, as far as your goals are concerned, is um, what do you do with those? What do you, what do you do? Are you going to send them out to you try to get to the stores, or are you trying to... Sell them out of your garage or what? Or Ideally, game there? stores would start picking this up. Okay. We get them with the distributor. Okay. Failing that, um, that's the number of copies I feel like I sell over time. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, after I shipped out my Kickstarter and everything. Sure. And and both, uh, um, lots of lots of different ways are, are, are valid. Some people would put them in the garage and maybe bring a few to every convention they go to and sell them, or mm -hmm. or sell them on Craigslist or or Amazon if you can get in there. Um, other people might, you know, try to get in with the distributor and get stores to sell them. It sounds like what you're after. Um, that's what Tasty Minstrel has done. Tasty Minstrel, being a, 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 a publishing company, was intending to be, a, and was in fact already a game publishing company 
um, albeit a very small one made of like one and a half people, um, when it did its first Kickstarter. But the goal for Tasty Minstrel was always to fund the print run. You know, you send out your backers copies, and then you have a bunch that go into distribution. That was that was our goal. Um, and we ended up going through PSI as a, as a fulfillment service. And I, I, if you're trying to do distribution, um, your choices are contact all the distributors yourself and, and, and do a lot of that kind of thing, which if you're into, more power to you. Um, but I, I usually advise going through a fulfillment company. They take a cut, it's a pretty small cut, and they do a lot of the work I, I wouldn't want to do. So I don't know if you've looked into that, but I recommend you do. At least look into it and see what, uh, because otherwise you have to communicate directly with um, at least one and probably three or more distributors to and, and constantly trying to get them to buy your stuff from you so they'll sell it to retailers and it's not I mean I don't think it's fun it's <laughs> you, might, like you might be more into that kind of thing and maybe you oh, I'm not. maybe you do that kind of thing but I mean for me I would be like I, would, I just want to work on that game you know um, so you had a Kickstarter you said uh, it was just a small Kickstarter for our podcast just okay. get some new equipment okay, so that's, a, that's an interesting that's yeah. a different project right you had a, a podcast yeah. What were your reward levels? Like, what did you give out? Oh, uh, basically, um, it was for the podcast for advertising was one of the big ones, as well as we were looking, at, we we're going to be making some audio dramas. So it was, you know, hey, do you want to be a character on the show? You know, we can do a quick okay, sc- cool. Skype in where you can do, play the character. Yeah, I've always and wondered how well how well that goes over. Like, I've never done a podcast. We, we, wasn't the game. So we we asked for a ridiculous small amount, four hundred dollars, yeah. and we we hit it by a hundred and eighty percent. So you so, got like, yeah. Yeah, and we just succeeded like two days ago. So, oh, and, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know that was done. Okay, so you got yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, so, and, and how much? And you're using that to what? Pay for uh, more audio equipment, and we wanted to work on getting some digital equipment. So basically, warble uh, board. So seven hundred bucks or whatever. Enough yeah. To oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We basically kept it really small. One hundred and eighty percent. Yeah. Yeah. What's your podcast? Creative Play and Podcast Network. Creative Play and Podcast Network. Plus, we do uh, D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. It's basically we play D&D as a real play podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, a Ragnarok and Roll, a Cyan Hero to Ragnarok Star, where we play Cyan RPG. Yeah. And Fun little RPGs. Playing, so most of your stuff is all role-play related? Yeah, usually role-play or gaming related. Yeah, and I remember one time I came on there and you interviewed yeah. me for about Raycon. For Raycon, yeah. Like yeah. Um, for last year. More of that. More of that. What's that? that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. By all means. Um... Great. So, so we have a, a couple of different perspectives here, different two different scopes of a of a board game project and then a podcast project. Um, so, you were successful. You were successful. You're trying to be successful. We don't know yet. Um, uh, have, you, have, have any done ones in the past? Any run any case projects in the past, or is this all basically your first ones? That was my first one. Okay. My first sale, like I said. Right. And, and okay. And you, you think it was just because you were asking for more money than you were uh, able to raise? There are a lot of reasons, but that was. What other reason, I guess that's an interesting topic, I think, for me, is what other reasons do you think didn't work out? Right, so, like, there's um, too much money, failure to organize, early pledging, take up momentum, make it look look good. Um, and then I think we didn't get as much exposure as we, as we should have the first time around. I believe, in my opinion, the, the biggest reason for any Kickstarter to fund or not fund is reach, exposure, yep. get the word. word of mouth. Because, I mean, it's called crowdfunding. Right? You yep. need a crowd. And I've listened to some people, t- you know, have podcasts and, and whatever. Uh, there, there, um, this guy, Seth Godin, I think he does business stuff. And he always talks about building your tribe. 
So you want you you know build an audience, build a tribe, and then that then you put something on sale, and then you got a bunch of people who are potentially interested because you've got a bunch of people that know about it. Um, a lot of the people like uh, Dice Hate Me Games, for example, that's a, a few years ago didn't even really exist, and then then there were small all of a sudden they were a small publisher doing you know some Kickstarters to raise you know money for their games, and then they did really well, and now they're a name, and then they've merged now with Creator Living Games. How did they manage that? Well, for starters. Uh, Chris Kirkman had a blog and a podcast and a bunch of people that knew who he was and listened to his stuff. He had like, you know, City Games podcast and his, and his Dice Hate Me blog had an audience. So that was a good head start. Um, what I usually tell people when they, when, you know, when I'm on these panels and people ask about, are looking for Kickstarter advice, one of the big pieces of advice is before you even start, and this might be you know, too late for you guys and, and possibly too late for you unless you reboot, um, and you may or may not need to reboot, but when you go into it, you, it's really good, and this ties into your momentum comment, to have the audience built already. So, um, you know, for people who are thinking, maybe I'll do a Kickstarter in the future, my advice is usually start, okay, you're gonna do it in the future, start now building, a, you know, posting something, post a blog, talk about, have a podcast, do whatever it is you do, whatever you, whatever you do, find, you know, start sharing it and find people that care, and then you'll, you'll build that tribe, and then when it comes time to Kickstart something, you'll, you can, you have a group of people you can tell. And that you can grow that group hopefully as you know big or as strong as you can. And again, the better you, the better you do that, the bigger the head start. Uh, as a big example of that, who saw the Exploding Kittens Kickstarter? Sorry. They made eight million dollars for a what a lot of people that that I know that are on Board Game Geek thought was a shitty little Uno ripoff, like a game, like a little card game. It's actually a lot more fun than people were giving credit for. But they made eight million dollars. How they make eight million dollars? They, they didn't make $8 million selling a little card game. They made $8 million because they're the oatmeal and they had some tchotchke and it says the oatmeal on it. And they have a bazillion people who like the com the webcomic. So they didn't make $8 million because their game was awesome. They made $8 million because they had a following, yeah. a large following. And it was only a $20, like, oh, I like the oatmeal. I'll chip in $20 for this thing. Maybe I'll even like it. Um, actually, I, and I've played that. It's actually a lot better than some of the naysayers were saying. It's one thing, like, whenever I ever back someone on Kickstarter, I'm like, hey, by the way, I run a podcast. Let me know if you want me to throw it out there. Magi Monsters, it's a basically D&D with Pokemon put together. Great, great little game. It's going to be out next year. Back to them, put them on the podcast. We got something like 4,000 listens all over the world. I mean, 4,000 yeah. listens is better than zero yeah. listens, right? Um, we had, an, uh, TMG had a, I forget which game it was. It might have been... Age or, oh, I think it was Ground Floor. We did a game with Ground Floor. It's a big, expensive game. It, like six players, like well, up to six players, two or three hour Euro style game. It was doing all right. As one of the high specials, Mike decided he was going to give a whole other game, like a little like thirty dollar game for free if we got to a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars was like ridiculous. We didn't, I didn't think we were going to get there, but and we weren't gonna at first. But then we were getting towards the end of the campaign. And Penny Arcade, the guy from Penny Arcade, who was uh, not not Mike, but the other one, Jerry, right. Jerry Hawkins, yeah, uh, posted something about it. It wasn't even that much. It was like a side note. Oh, by the way, this is cool thing I thought was neat was this, uh, you know, if you if, you know whatever. He posted about it. I think it was this campaign. Um, immediately, that was like the last week of our project. Immediately, bam, a whole bunch of money came in because Penny Arcade has a huge following. So and I don't know how we. How, I guess they happened upon it and thought it was cool and mentioned it. Bam. So that's that's what we're talking about. That's that's uh, now looking at my project or our project, the the expansion. 
Um, so why did the expansion do well? We had, uh, I guess it was maybe it was only two thousand copies of of the base game that came out like two years ago and sold out. So in theory, there are two thousand games out there, people out there that have the game. Some of those people liked the game and would be interested in the Kickstarter, um, and presumably they got notified of it because you know, hey, Kickstarter people who bought this game, here's the you maybe you'd be interested in the expansion. Now. It's been two years, and it's been sold out this whole time. We never reprinted it. Maybe people lost interest, right? Compared to the Scoville one, which was only like, I don't know, six months or a year ago that the game came out, and then there's an expansion, and maybe it's still fresh. That could be, uh, that's a possible reason. Um, another possible reason, some people were saying that we asked for too much money. $30,000 was a lot to ask for. I thought it was 40. I thought it was 30, maybe it was 40. Whichever it was, yeah. whichever it was, we were asking for that much money, specifically for, well, and, and it was only $25 item. Like, you're trying to sell a bunch of, you know, how many $25 items you have to get to get to 40000 or $30,000. Now, there was also a pledge over you can get the base game also, and I actually thought this would work out okay because there seemed to be some demand for the base game reprint. Here it is, and an expansion. You get either or both, whatever. I'm, I'm a little surprised that more people, maybe, maybe we didn't reach the, Maybe we didn't get the word out. Maybe maybe not enough people realized they could get the base game here, because people were you know some of the in the comments you often get suggestions and, and you know commentary as to why some things aren't going well, and some people were suggesting that we were asking for too much money for a twenty five dollar item, and I was like, well, who's, no one's buying the, the the base game. Another comment was that well the base game is effectively getting the base game for forty bucks. Well, you could get the base game for forty bucks online anyway, if it's a sixty dollar game, by the way. So why should I buy it now? Well, the answer is so it funds and we can make the expansion, but no people don't necessarily care about that. And once it failed, we actually considered maybe just not making it at all and being like, people seem to think these things are gonna automatically happen. Maybe they don't, right? Maybe we show them what they don't. Instead, what we're gonna do is, we're not gonna do it anyway. We're gonna, we're gonna do it anyway, but not until yeah. we have money, which means we're not, you know, in a year and a half from now, maybe. Yeah, so we'll, it's back burner. Yeah, so it's just like, all right, we'll do it ourselves, but you gotta wait until we get money now. And it sucks for us, it sucks for people who wanted it, but yeah. um, I'm not sure that's the best, I don't know if it's best or not best, it's just you know, kind of an unfortunate situation. Another reason we might not have done so well, and this, is, this has always been people always saying, oh, there's so many things on Kickstarter. It so happened that when we launched the project, like 80 other projects launched that day, any other game projects launched. There are so many game projects out there. Maybe it's finally getting watered down. I'm not certain what you can do about that. Um, some some people advertise ahead of time when they're going to launch. I guess not, if you have a tribe to tell, I mean, that's not a bad idea. But if they do, how do you, you can't follow all those. You don't necessarily know, and they don't necessarily say. And every once in a while, you'll launch, and at the same time, Coolman or not launches some minis project the same day, and they over, overshadow you or something. Um, on the one hand, maybe that brings more people to Kickstarter and they'll see your game. On the other hand, maybe people are thinking about your game and thinking about this game and decide, uh, I'll buy this one, rather than both. Um, I don't know uh, what the effect is there, but that could have been that could have affected us as well, the fact that there were so many projects that launched at just the same time. Um, so those are some of the, th the things that we were thinking might have might have uh, caused us to, to have a problem. Um, so. You um, so let's go back to you. You said you had, you need ten grand. You um, what do you think you're what are you planning on doing? What do you think you might do to try to 
improve your reach and kind of reach this number of people you need. Doug, Jonathan, I've been trying to find marketing companies. Okay, gotcha. I haven't had any trouble finding marketing companies. They're finding me. <laughs> However, yeah. finding out if they're reliable, out if they actually do anything. If they're legit. <laughs> Uh, I'm very skeptical in general, and every time someone emails me and says, "Hey, we can help you with your SEO or on your, uh, or whatever on your website," <laughs> or "Hey, we can have, let's trade advertising. We'll advertise your Kickstarter, and, and you can advertise ours." And I'm like, "Who are you?" You know, like so. I'm very skeptical of people who contact me, but it might be because I'm not a fan of salesmen. <laughs> and the one time I got a telemarketing call for like a. Uh, you know, they call you asking, do you want a loan or you know, you want to re refinance your house? And usually I'm like, no, why would I, if I wanted to refinance my house, I'd call you. Well, one time I did want to refinance my house. I got a telemarketing call and said, hey, you want to, and I was like, as a matter of fact, I do want to refinance my house. Mm -hmm. And I went through this whole process and I was all proud of myself. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be better. I'm going to get a lower rate. And I'm like, look at me, I, I'm an adult and I did this. And I went and called my dad and I'm like, look at me. And my dad was like, so he started asking questions like, hey, how much? What fee did they charge for this? And what did they? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh crap! And it turned out um, they were. It was kind of a ripoff. And so luckily they had this thing where you could cancel those things like within two days or whatever. And uh, so we canceled it. And then my dad took me to like the the people who had already financed my loan and taught me how to actually do it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh okay. And that just reinforced my prior decision, uh, thought, which was that you don't want telemarketers, right? So so anyone that contacts you and says we can advertise a thing. I'd be skeptical of. Be wary. So, so well, the, the people who want to like, cross promote with you, if like we had a few small campaigns that we mentioned, that we um, mutually mentioned in our updates. We actually got a few um, backers from them. Yeah, like, your cross promotion is a bit different, but yeah, um, the back scratch. Like, a campaign like my size wanted to like cross promote with a campaign your size. That wouldn't really be fair. Yeah, it's not like an equitable like, thing, right? Like, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> but what do you do? I mean, like, how else? Do you, I mean, if. Um, I've seen it happen though. I've seen people say, oh, you know, in a, usually it's like, here's your regular update. At the bottom, it's like, oh, by the way, my buddy, or, or I've, I've played this game and I see it's on Kickstarter now and it's pretty cool. And they, they might mention it. Like Jamie Stegmaier might say that about some, mm. I don't know, some other game that he's seen. Um, you know, and that's cross promotion, I feel like it's a little bit different than saying, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll give me 100 bucks and I'll market for it. Oh, yeah, those guys are. The pe people asking for money for like, that email are, are prob yeah. probably not worth it. Um, sorry, but I interrupted you. Um, what else do you got? So I got a friend who has a gaming group. It's uh, video gaming and role playing. And he's got about 500 people in that. And a second nerd group that's 300 people. And That's a good number of people. I've made friends with him, so he's letting me do a lot to promote it on his. Thing. That's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of people. Uh, on the downside, it's it's not 100% overlap with your audience because they're video gamers, right? But there might be some there's, you know, decent yeah. overlap. Um, so that could be helpful. So hopefully that will work out. Have you attempted to find, um, so one thing that a lot of people, uh, some people charge for, some people don't, are these video reviews. Mm -hmm. have, have you looked into trying to get somebody, one of these video reviewers to, to review your, your game? I have not. So um, you might look into that. Um, some of the issues here are like, everyone wants that. Everyone wants their game, especially the big ones, like Richard Hamm and, and Tom Vassell. So some of these places like charge for the service, some cases it's, it's worth it. In some cases, it might or might not be worth it. If, um, especially if you if you think they're going to give it a good review because it's their kind of game. Um, I think the Dice Tower charges. Uh, Richard Ham doesn't charge, but he uh, has specific things like it's got it's got to work well for two players because he only plays with his wife. 
Um, he's very enthusiastic. People like him a lot, but if, but um, if he doesn't like it, he probably if he doesn't sound like he'd like it, he just won't do it because he doesn't want to waste time playing the game he doesn't really like. Uh, he only, it has to work well for two players because he only plays with his wife and, and stuff like that. Um, so if you you know if you and and I think I would think the the reviewers don't necessarily want like a form letter or a I don't know you but will you review my thing I hear you're I hear you're popular. Rather you you know want to send it to somebody you think would like it first of all and you know still I'm not actually sure how to go about that we we have a few of the re- that are friends with, with Undead Viking is a friend of like Mike and I we, we we have met him and we know him and he likes our stuff and so we might send him a game to review um, and he doesn't charge for them I don't think but um, that's just an example like Tom Vassell they charge for stuff back in the day before this was a thing when Eminence Domain was going to be on Kickstarter I asked I I. I Kickstarter previews weren't a thing. They didn't exist. Nobody did them. Uh, nobody's heard of them. So I, I contacted Tom Bassett. I'm like, hey, would you like to do a, would you do a review of my prototype of my game? I'm going to try to get the crowdfunding. I feel like, you know, it's going to take you time. I'll pay you. And I offered to pay him 100 bucks. And I almost felt dirty. I sent him the prototype. I opened the prototype. I sent a $100 bill inside. I'm like, it almost felt dirty. But <laughs> just the way I was doing that. But uh, but I thought, it, you know, it was legit. It takes some time and effort to do it. I And he did it. He did a review. I'm sure it didn't hurt. And again, this was before Kickstarter was a thing. It was one of the first big Kickstarters. Who knows how, how much that review helped. Or I'm sure it helped. It didn't hurt. Um, and then when the game came out, he did another, like, a regular review of it. And he said that he had... Um, you know, had done a review before, whatever, and he's like, well, let's do it, and he, he, he raved about the artwork and stuff, which was nice. And it turned out he liked the game a lot, which was nice. So we got a nice review out of that, and it cost, cost me 100 bucks, probably well worth it. Um, nowadays, though, they have policies, they have, you know, price, like, the Dice Tower's a big thing, and they have, they, they have everyone and their mother wanting them to do their reviews. I don't even know how to get in touch with them anymore. Um, but yeah, that's a good way to reach lots of people. It's, uh, you might want to look into those and which ones might help you or might be good and what and find out what their policies are you might just ask them yeah because they're 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 usually individuals who are you know gamers and and approachable and will tell you and they might tell you yeah i don't do that or they might tell you what's your game about and let me know there's a lot of bloggers and podcasters out there that'll do it for free it's like just dude send me a copy i'll play it i'll play it and then uh you know and some of them have like four four followers and some have hundreds of followers and so you never know but you know, even if it's only four, you know, if you're on a strat, like a tight budget, sending a review copy to someone who's got a low audience, yeah, is, it's not a good return. Not high on the priority list necessarily, um, but I don't know. If you can like, uh, like, it's pretty common to like ask, like take the postage back. Yeah, we, we, you could. Yeah, yeah you could yeah. ask to replace. You know, yeah, we, the, we didn't end up yeah. doing that, but then like after the cam- our campaign, I read like, yeah, just here's postage, send it back. Yeah, here's a prepaid yeah. label and. Cause, like, yeah. I guess, they, what are they going to do with it anyway? Yeah, yeah. No, most most of us most, most of them they'll either put it in their closet or like throw it out. Yeah, usually it's a do 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 the game, do the review. It's a one shot, and okay, That's now what? That's a good what? point. Um, another thing you could consider. I don't know how how tech savvy you are. I, I I in theory could do this, but I'm bad at it. Is you could do a how to play video or something like that yourself, or you know, if you if you think you're not personal, get a personal friend to do it and film them uh, or something. Um, that's a possibility as well. Um, just to people learn better or, 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 or well it'll show off the components of it. it'll show off the game a little better and you know you can do things like that but again even whether you do that or not the key is whether or not people see it so I, I, if I were you looking for $10,000 I would work I would concentrate on getting the word out right 
And it might be the case, just to, maybe you already know this, but just to, to kind of warn you, it might well be the case that um, a month goes by and you haven't gotten anywhere near your $10,000. Uh, and you have to decide whether you're gonna cancel or let it fail and then whether you're gonna relaunch or what you're gonna do. Like these guys, uh, if it failed or you canceled either way. Well, we can't, it would have failed. It would have yeah. failed so you canceled. I'm not sure what the strategy is there. I'm not uh, sure there's, it makes it, Someone told me it'll show up on Google as fail if you don't cancel it. Right. And if you cancel it, it won't show up on Google. Right, which which, is, which you might want, you might not want people to like yeah. associate the word failed with your project or right, something right, like right. that. Um, so in that case, um, I, I mean, another one that I thought was doing well just yesterday or today canceled. It was called uh, Campaign Trail. And it looked like a cool game and I, I, I didn't really follow it, but I had the impression it was doing all right. And they go, we're not going to make it. We're going to cancel and not waste your time. And I was like, oh, too bad. So I don't know if they're going to re-up it later or if they're just going to... I'm sure they are because they have been working on that thing forever. Um, but yeah, so it, it might be the case that you, you make your funding goal and everything's fine. But just to, you know, everyone should be pre prepared for the, for the worst, right? Um, you know, and running, running a Kickstarter, I mean, can be a lot of work. Sometimes it can be expensive depending on how much, you know, artwork you buy for it or whatever. Um, but it can be a really in, uh, big learning experience too. Um, any other? Did you, have you found doing a doing a, a project that wasn't the product, a physical product, find? It, 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 it was a little difficult with coming up with the, the whole what the rewards are, because it's one of those. Of, it's not. I wish it was something tangible, because that way I could easily just say, "Here, here's this thing." You know, it's more of a okay. How do I value what is something that I can't really make tangible? Yeah. And uh, on the downside, though, if it's physical you have to mail it and yeah and then the mailing cranks it up and yeah so and then are, the unexpected it, shipping costs there, oh, yeah. some people really lose their shirt on shipping costs European, they miscalculate it or oh. they or it comes in heavier than they thought and therefore it costs more actually those micro game projects from TMG several of them were one was the envelope was bigger than the, the allowable dimension for the price that you thought it was gonna be. one was heavier than it was supposed to be one was um, you know whatever there was a lot more shipping charges than what was expected because there was some miscalculations going on or something like that. Um, but if you don't have to ship stuff, uh, video yeah. games, some video games, uh, you know, first, well, the downside of video games is it costs a lot of money to pay the people to do it, to make it. But the upside is it's free to deliver. Yeah. So Digital download, save yeah. them in done shipping. Um, so that, you know, the, one of the big downsides of, of the board game industry is shipping. Shipping costs a lot and you have to do it and it has to, you know, Realistically, you got to manufacture in like China or something, and you got to ship stuff across the ocean. Not only does it cost a lot of money, but it takes a lot of time. If there was a better way to do that, I would like to know it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, and I don't know if, if the topic that was that, that I had just picked out of air was whether Kickstarter was still a thing. I don't know that we've stayed on topic, but also it doesn't. I don't know that it matters. Um, it see, I guess. In the end, it does seem like Kickstarter is still it's a thing. People are still using it. You've just recently yeah, funded. Yep. You've just recently funded. You're using it now. Uh, whether you know, it's it's clearly still out there. There are still projects that are funding, um, and it might be that some people have said that some of the big companies like Yakumini or not or Queen or whatever, um, and some people have included TMG in that. And some people have not, depending on your point of view, I guess. Um, have come in there and have. Like dominated the scene and made it very difficult for uh, for you guys to get any funding. Um, I agree with that. Disagree with that. Um, I 
it might be I kind of think that like that might be true to an extent it's not I don't, I don't think that's impossible for for a small publisher to get funded I just think you might have to it's difficult for us you know a small independent person to get the attention 50 grand maybe to compete with the big guys but if you're making your own small thing maybe you're not competing as much it might be it might be that you need to take a different approach for that to work yeah the only thing I think it really does is that it doesn't like just take the backers it doesn't like just take all the backers I think um, Kickstarter will rank like things like featured things based on popularity uh, and so like people who have a big reach people who have a big reach look popular be, yeah. and therefore will be at the top of the feature yeah and then they'll all get more popular and Therefore, they succeed. But Therefore, Kickstarter gets its cut. Right, right, right. So Kickstarter is it, it's certainly in Kickstarter's best interest to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many people come... Well, I guess there are analytics for this. I just haven't seen them. Um, how much does people browse Kickstarter and say, oh, are you fake feature? I'm gonna yeah. go, did you, do you have the numbers? Yeah. No, no, I don't. But that's what I was about to conclude with is you're supposed to bring your own crowd. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, you can't... Re- uh, and this is... One of the things that people have been saying about Kickstarter from the beginning is like, you really can't count on Kickstarter to fund your project. You people have to know about it, and it's on you to do that. Kickstarter is not going to go find people. Mm-hmm. Once they, once in a while, you know, some small percentage of your backers might be cruising Kickstarter and, and being like, oh, look, what's that? A featured, even if you get featured by Kickstarter, that's not going to bring in enough people to fund your project. And the, and the first three days and the last three days, though, it's. Um so you're you're in that sort by ending soonest or started most recently, so that's the only basically you might you might the big you rush might, people might find you that way. Yeah, but even even then though, like even on the maximum number of people finding you on Kickstarter is not enough people to fund your project, right? So you you um you really can't count on Kickstarter to find to find people for you. Um, that's probably the biggest number one thing for someone who's considering the misnomer. Have you ever considered Kickstarting anything? Or Mm-hmm. Any no. Uh, personal anecdote, though, I can tell you that when I have been to Kickstarter, it has never been browsed. Like I always yeah. get there because I'm going directly specific to specific campaign project. Yeah, that yeah. I've heard about elsewhere. Right. Yeah, and I think there are there are a large number of people that do that. There are some people that browse, and I don't know how many people are in each of those groups. But even when you're browsing, like you're not going to see all the projects because not at all all featured or. You know, you know, whatever. I'm sure. I, I would suspect. I would suspect the number of people who browse is not as good as, uh, or not as big as the people who don't browse. Yeah, usually in mine, it's hey, a friend on Facebook shared that they backed this yeah, thing, exactly. and I'm like, hey, just check it out. That, and that's yeah. that's how you. That's that's is the is the networking. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyone have any other comments or questions to well, ask? Like, if Kickstarter is not a thing, how else do you get a game out? Well, uh. At one point, Kickstarter wasn't a thing, and people got um, by pulling money out of their pocket or by borrowing it from the bank, right? Lots of risk. Uh, that is that that one of the great things about crowdfunding is that it removes that risk. It, you don't have to put your you know put up your money and risk losing your house, or or you're out fifty grand and you've got a garage full of like boxes, in the world. you know, like you don't know what to do with, right? Like that's the kind of thing people did. People thought, oh, my game is great. I'm going to print it. I'm going to do it. And they shell out money they saved up for or they take a loan or something like that Find and they the best manufacture it and they don't know what to do next and it's in their garage and they break it or don't. Maybe the company goes under. Like, this happened all the time. Now that there's Kickstarter, there is a way to do it without that kind of risk. Um, but it's still possible. 
to just, like I said, Tasty Mitchell failed that Kickstarter. We might still print that game. We'll just wait until we have money to do so, right? That money will come in as we sell other games and make some profit. Eventually, we'll be like, all right, we got enough money. Let's print this game now. Um, yeah, or it sounds like what what, what the, your your point of like is it still a thing is like it's not what it used to be, but it's it's still a big thing. But it's, it's but it can right? can it still be used for what it was intended? Right. Um, maybe yeah. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure what I meant by that. So it's yeah. whatever it means to you, I guess. <laughs> How's that? I'll make it existential. Well, I'm just wondering myself, and that's yeah. I mean, that's why I came. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to find out. <laughs> well, yeah, like yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it's definitely it's definitely changed. It's, it's constantly changing, um, and I do think that we it's still a thing. I, I would say it's still a thing, but I think people have to adapt in how they're going to use it. Yeah, it's more like a pre-order system. Yeah. Well, yeah. F- well, and, and again, we're talking. I'll, I'll preface: we're talking about the small sector that is board games for the most part, uh, and tangentially related. Uh, where there are other things, I've got people complain that board games are late all the time, and they are late all the time. That's true. Um, for some reason, no one's figured out how to accurately determine how long it takes to do things. Um, and there are reasons for that. But I've got a few non-board game projects that I'm waiting for from Kickstarter. I've got a, a pair of Bluetooth earphones that are uh, supposed to be cool. I've got a 3D printer, a unibody 3D printer, which awesome. sounds like it could be cool. Um, I've got a some kind of some kind of a USB charger keychain type thing. That may or may not be cool, but I thought I could use a USB keychain. Um, all three of those are over a year late, and I'm not necessarily surprised. These are people who aren't in the business of manufacturing earphones and are figuring out how to engineer and manufacture an earphone that's a battery and, and, and some technology and whatever. And there's a lot of pieces, right? They they might know what they're doing, but they they aren't they haven't done it before. They're getting together. They've started companies to do this. They've re-engineered it, and they're doing I, it on I, scale. I, and, yeah, and then they got to make a bazillion of them, and you know like. I'll probably get it eventually, but this each of those is over a year late. Board games, you know, like they're frequently six months late or something like that. Sometimes they're a year or two late, but that's usually a, a you know outlier. Um, but there are so many other uses, like the, the the percentage. Actually, board games has become a relatively large percentage of Kickstarter's thing. I understand, but it's still not a majority, right? Yeah. Well, especially if you're by dollars, because technology costs a lot. Yeah, yeah. Costs a lot right? <laughs> so, but even if it's by project or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or number of backers, for example, that would be a neat metric, like mm-hmm. project genre by, by number of backers. Yeah. Um, board games is, is pretty big, and I think it's because it's, you know, it's gotten so big and so useful. It does take a big chunk of, of Kickstarter's whatever stuff, but I don't think it's a majority. There's a bunch of other things out there, people funding movies, people funding albums, whatever. Um, so, so it's good to remember that we're only talking about a subset of Kickstarter here when we, when we say this. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it certainly requires an adjustment to the way we've done. You know, you can't. Ju- I think that a couple of the projects that Tasty Mitchell has done has sort of proven that you can't just press the button and watch the money roll in, right? And not only is this Kickstarter that we just did fail to fund, and that was a surprise, I thought. Um, but another one that was a surprise was um, City Hall, which is a game that. that First, the designer had put it on Kickstarter and failed, and then Tasty Mitchell picked it up, put it on Kickstarter, and I honestly thought there was like no way it was going to fail. However, and we proved that that if you if you half-ass a Kickstarter project and you don't promote it properly, nobody will care, and then it'll it'll not fail, it'll not fund. So we failed that one, and then we're like, oh, I guess we need to 
not slack off. We actually have to pay attention to what we're doing. And then we put a third Kickstarter, uh, that game's third Kickstarter. We combined it with another game, actually. And then it, it funded and we got the games out. Um, but like that's another good example of it's it. No matter how successful you've been already on Kickstarter, and TC Mitchell's had some successful pro- twenty successful projects or something like that, and 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 a big following now, and some people just buy everything TC Mitchell does um, because we're awesome. Um, but even then, you can't just be like, oh, here's a Kickstarter, and like go to sleep and wake up in the morning and get money. It doesn't work that way. Um, and uh, there's uh, Jamie Stegmaier does a great job of, of, of communicating with his his backers and, and, and running Kickstarter projects and he's written a lot of stuff and a lot of blogs and a lot of if you haven't read Jamie's uh, blogs and stuff on Kickstarter you and you're running a project you should absolutely go read them do you know what I'm talking about I've read them yeah I, I mentioned it yesterday it's Stonelayer Games okay yeah so I got the link yeah you should absolutely read his stuff um it is very good, and you should certainly know. Another person that's posted a lot on the subject is James Matthew from Minion Games, and it's funny because he's uh, um, a definitely a different kind of guy than Jamie, um, a different kind of attitude. But he's got a lot. He's posted a lot of Kickstarter lessons, or, or you know, lessons he's learned the hard way by doing it. Um, so that's um, search for Minion Games, or I think he had a blog called Kicking and Screaming, which was about Kickstarter lessons. I'm not sure, you, but if you Googled around, you could probably find it. Um, and who else? What other blogs about Kickstarter? Oh, uh, there's a podcast from a guy named Richard Bliss called Funding the Dream, which I haven't, I don't think he's been doing it lately, but he had a lot of episodes when Kickstarter was a thing where he would talk, and they're short, like 20 minute episodes, interviewing people like Jamie, people like Patrick Diggle from Crash Games, people like Michael Mendez, uh, who have run successful, successful projects and mostly in the board game space. And, and uh, that's got some great information too. So I feel like, um, you know, if you're, if you're running a Kickstarter project and you haven't done this research, like, you should go do it because it can't, it can't hurt and it can only help. Um, uh, if, it turns out, if, if it turns out that you don't end up funding and you decide to be rude, I would definitely, like, study what those guys said and stuff and inform, use that to inform your, 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 your future stuff. Of course, like I said, if, if the money rolls in and you fund, awesome. whatever. You look, instead, research what to do next, right? <laughs> What time is it? Uh, it's 1.50. 1.50. Oh, okay. So we're getting low on low on time. Any other sort of last minute topics or questions? Anyone? Hopefully this was kind of helpful and or informative, or at least entertaining uh, kind of chat. Um, well, so, so what was like the, your best, um, well, we talked about finally, you know, reaching a crowd and building a tribe and stuff. Um, obviously Michael, that's better to add to this, but. Uh, How do you do that? Okay, so there, that's a good question. Um, so there are, there are ways. Uh, the way Michael did it was he started, um, actually, how did Michael do it? If you look at, oh, Michael Mendez posted some, some stuff, transparent stuff, like when he was going through the process of how he was trying to do stuff, and you could probably find that if you looked hard enough. Um, so like I said, uh, Chris Kirkman got it, did it by having a blog for years ahead of time. Um, Jamie Stegmeyer might have done something similar. Basically, uh, so how do you do it? You, you find... Something that you can provide, some something that you can start a blog or start a podcast or post on Board Game Geek about strategy if you for seven years like I did, um, uh, you know, just be become known in some format by some people. How, Start communicating, how, however, however you can, right? Um, 
some part of Tasty Mitchell's success may have come from the fact that just, I mean, not on purpose, but I was on BGG for 10 years a lot. I was vocal, I was talk, I talked about various things, I asked questions about, about games or I, I commented on games or made strategy posts or whatever it was I was doing. I was around, people, knew, people kind of knew who I was. Some people, not all people. Um, and with my name associated with TMG, like, it got a little more reach, it, you know. It, it, so I didn't have a blog necessarily. I, I do have a blog, but no one reads it. Uh, but my my uh, my drive or whatever was was not because I have a blog or a podcast, but it's because I was communicating with all these people on this website that's all about games for a decade, right? Like I was, I've been around. Um, people were, well, sorry, people read your blog. Remember that the one was that one guy you mentioned read your blog and commented or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A, couple, a couple, two people read my blog. One of them sitting right there. <laughs> Could you back him on Kickstarter? Have you back him? I don't think I backed any TMG stuff on Kickstarter. But I'm also not sure that I was reading your blog at the time when mm-hmm. TMG was getting started. Yeah, and and I mean I didn't necessarily. Well, whenever we had a thing, I'd be like, I, I probably put a blog post on the blog about it. like, hey, we got this Kickstarter thing. Certainly with Eminent Domain, I'm sure I did. Um, and, I, and usually when we have a new Kickstarter, I'm like, oh, by the way, TMG Kickstarter, and my four followers or whatever, might get this. I'm kidding. More people read it than that. I know because I get like six commenters on once in a while. But um, my point is it's not like a widespread blog. Um, but so, so, so I didn't purposely build the tribe t- in order to do a Kickstarter. But just being on BoardGameBeat for 10 years, people knew who I was a little bit. Um, you know, so so if you have, um, if you have something to say, or if you can think of something to say, start saying it, and then you know, and share it around. Get on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, and you're a designer, get on Twitter and start meeting. That there's a design community on Twitter uh, made of people like, you know, your dice hate me uh, people, and your um, and their buddies, and your TC Petties, and your um, Daryl Louder, and your uh, Ben Rossett, and Gil Hova. Gil Hova. Just recently, he is a designer type. He had a game published called Prolix, which is a word game, and more recently, Battle Merchants, which is a strategy game. And he decided he wanted the publisher to do stuff a little bit differently, so he decided to start publishing. So he recently made a company called Formal Ferret Games, and right now, either, I think it just funded, he just funded this second game called The Networks. And he did a really good job of communication, too, and, and somehow, somehow, I'm not sure how he did it, but he's he apparently has a decently loyal following and, 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 and has had no trouble Funding his networks game uh, just now, last month or whatever. Um, Did he also sell the pub Bad Medicine? Yes, that was his first one. Uh, so he funded that on Kickstarter, and that worked out. And I thought he was—I thought it was a little crazy to start publishing in the first place because he's a designer, and I'm like, I'm not sure you're going to want to be a publisher. But he said he wanted to. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I'm not sure you wanted to start with Bad Medicine because he wants to make strategy games, and Bad Medicine is a party game. And I'm like, are you sure you want to start with Bad Medicine and then try to do these strategy games? I, I, I would have advised against it. In fact, I did advise against it. But whatever, he did it. It seemed to work out. He, he successfully funded Bad Medicine, and now he successfully funded his first strategy game. I don't know what's in the future, but he seems to have, between the two, and now he's done some work. He, he went to not just local cons, but he's gone to various cons around, you know, to try to spread, spread the reach. And he sent, you know, uh, Richard Hamm did a run-through of his game, and uh, I don't know what other reviewers might have, but, you know, he, he's done like a lot of footwork to try to get the game out there ahead of the Kickstarter and uh, and it, he might have a little head start because he had a game come out from Minion Games 
and in fact, pro, you know, prolix to battle merchants, people might have, you know, known him from there a little bit. Yeah. So, so there's a little, you know, that's one way you can do it is publish a game with a, you know, get a game signed by the publisher. I guess <laughs> that's not trivial. <laughs> but um, so yeah, find some way to contribute uh, something that people are interested in, and then people will start listening to you, and then, you know, you can kind of cater to them and grow that group, and then be like, hey guys. You like me, you like what I have to say, here's my game on Kickstarter. Um, and like I said, the Twitter community, get in, get in with them, because it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, everyone's friendly, everyone's friends, and everyone shares each other's stuff, and that helps you get into a social network you can share with. Um, and honestly, a lot of people don't dig Twitter, but it's if you're in that, trying to be a game designer or a publisher, it's worth having a Twitter account just to get into that community. And you can, you know, you don't, you don't have to friend everybody, right? But. Um, so that's that's some advice that you could work. Um, I can't really think of anything else. Right. Cool. Well, uh, hopefully that was, like I said, informative or at least entertaining. Um, and, and now it is time to be two o'clock. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming by. Um, <clears throat> I wonder, is Kickstarter thing? Maybe the maybe the. That's weird. Well, I mean. Uh, I, I'll note that we, this panel wasn't, you know, the panels that we've done have not been super well advertised. And this is maybe a, a mini lesson in Kickstarter. <laughs> the panels at this convention weren't really advertised that well, even to the people at this convention. And therefore, ah. perhaps not a lot of people showed up. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm not really sure. People signed up when I saw. Yeah. yeah. They walked by and went, but there's a really cool game going on right now. It's possible. They, like, I'm not too surprised. After And last year was, it was low too. A couple of years ago, people came to the Kickstarter thing because I think Kickstarter was such a popular... Oh, yeah. It, it became the new hot thing. Hi, guys. If you're a fan of reading like I am and you've been looking to try out audible.com for audiobooks, we have a link for a free 30-day trial. So go ahead and check out audibletrial.com slash Podcast network. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L, dot com slash creative play and podcast network thanks hey guys mark cato from tucson games again just uh want to say a little bit about what's going on here today Rincon, where you guys should be i hope you're going to be coming this coming year coming up uh, we come here to ring because we want to meet all the people here in tucson that we play games with in our store and of course ring you're going to be finding all of this stuff right on the tables and have a lot of fun it's amazing i hope you're here i hope we're going to see you soon so where can people go when they're not at RingCon to play games? Come on down to Tucson Games and Gadgets, 2900 East Broadway. You won't be disappointed. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.